I appreciate so much, again, the privilege of being able to be here to open God's Word today. And that's always a joy, to be able to just uh, join our hearts together around God's Word in His throne room. You know, when we open God's Word, it's not just to get head knowledge. Let's do that. Yeah, I will. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. And we just want to lift up Linda to you right now. Father, I thank you that you see Linda. And you know her need this very moment. So Lord, we come with our hearts all connected to you on Linda's behalf. And I pray, Father, that you would give her strength and peace and grace. And Lord, that even now you would just breathe your life into her, allowing whatever has happened, or we know it's under your sovereign control, and so we just place her before you and pray that your will be done in her life today. Lord, I know she didn't anticipate this, and nor did we, but Lord, you have foreseen it, and so we just very humbly bow our hearts before you on her behalf and pray that even now you would be her strength and that you would minister to her spirit and her heart in a very special way. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for loving her as only you can right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you just continue to pray for her silently, I think that'd be very appropriate. We need an ambulance, but if you can, if you could get, uh, can you get Joe yep. or Ken? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Okay, she's conscious. We're gonna get our security and see what they think we need to do next. She says she doesn't need an ambulance or something, so we're gonna let her like quietly with a few people up, praying over her, and I think we'll go ahead and get into the word. Perfect psalm for today, right? He will come and save you. He Amen. will be with us in trouble. Amen. 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 Okay. So let's turn our attention. You know, in the midst of trials, we always get our eyes on the Lord. So Amen. Yeah. James, lead us, lead us, brother. Yeah, thank you. You know, these moments come unexpectedly. In all of our lives, we've had moments like that. And uh, sometimes it's very fearful. I'd like to ask you to do this for me. I had planned that we take these first few minutes and just have time at our tables. And I'd like to ask you, you know, regardless of your age, we face very challenging experiences and moments. And uh, would you, around your table, 
talk about what is fearful to you where you are. In your generation, your age, you could be a young single adult, you could be a, a senior adult, uh, married, single, but for a few minutes, what are the fearful things that we are facing in our culture, in our lives today? Could you just talk about that for a few minutes around your table? You might want to move close to one another. Uh, and again, just continue to prayerfully remember Linda as she's cared for right now. Yeah. What are the fearful things that we face today in this world? in this culture, at our age. What is fearful to us? We'll take just another moment at our tables. What are the things that people fear today?
hit her head and she seems really dizzy and so Ken, Ken's insisting that we get an ambulance here. Okay. So that was a nurse practitioner that just came in too. Okay. Okay. Will, I, will she just stay here in the room? Sorry? Will she stay in the room? I think they'll, I think they'll take her. As soon as the EMS gets here, they'll take her out. Okay. So, um, okay. Do we need to let people know that's going to happen? Yeah. Okay. If we could uh, get your response back this way. Uh, Linda will be... Um, getting some help in just a few moments, and so she'll be okay. We uh, thank you for your prayers, and thank you for continuing to just lift her up as the Spirit so prompts you this morning. Psalm 91 is where we are today, and what do we fear? Response from some of your tables. What, what is being feared in our culture today? What do people, senior adults, single adults, what do you fear in life right now? Grandchildren, what they may face going forward. Some I think older people, when they get concerned about their health as they get older, because things that have not been happening before begin to be happening. Sure, that's. We know that God is present with us. Yes. We can't just use the field, but we have to remember that in the midst of that field, that's exactly right. Now she mentioned health is a big concern because we do not know what will happen to us health-wise. And that's very present with us in thought today, isn't it? Okay, somebody else, what do we fear today? Falling in our Sunday school class. Falling in our Sunday school class, yes. <laughs> Or anywhere. That's right. This should be the safest place, the church. We can surround each other. That's right. Okay, what else is feared today in our culture? Guess? Loss of independence. That is big, isn't it? Okay. All righty. My parents sure struggled with that one. And it took a car accident where my dad ran through a fence to convince him that. He needed, uh, needed some help. So it's hard yes. to give up independence. What else is feared? Loss of freedom. Loss of freedom, sure. How about COVID? Was COVID a fearful thing for folks to go through? Disease, okay, that comes. Um, Okay. Yeah, division in our country, loss of our way of life as we know it right now. How about terrorism? Anybody concerned or fearful of terrorism? Shootings. Yeah. And these are interesting days for all of us because of the things that we're facing in our culture, locally, uh, for a shooting at Methodist Hospital in Dallas this week. All those are uh, challenging where a couple of nurses were killed. And so all of this is just quite challenging when it takes place. And you see the news and you think, where are we? 
Now, as Christians, we have a peace that passes understanding when we're walking in close relationship with God. Let's get into Psalm 91, if we could, in verses 1 and 2. I'm reading out the New American Standard translation. I guess the title to these two verses would be, How Do We Find Peace in Today's Challenging World? How do we find that peace that passes understanding? It says in verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now in these two verses, what helps us to be able to make it when things are challenging is our trust in God. Number one, and always will be, I mean, if you had to put a title over this whole psalm, it would be trusting God. No matter what happens around us, circumstances that we don't anticipate or expect, to be able to trust God every moment of our lives is extremely important. And I I love the way in these two verses that God has four names ascribed to Him. And I think the psalmist wanted us to understand and see that when we are trusting God, we need to see who He is. And we need to see Him in His might and in His power. Now, when you become His child, it's very exciting to be able to just say, Father, I am trusting You and I'm looking to You for Your guidance and Your leadership in my life. And so the more clearly we see God, the more trust comes. Because our trust, our confidence is in whom? It's in God. It's not in our government. It's not in ourselves. It's not in uh, necessarily those gathered around us as sweet as they are and as much as God may work through them, our ultimate trust has to be in God and in Him alone. And uh, Linda will continue to pray for you as you go. May God bless you. And thank you men for helping her. Uh, May God bless you as well as you care for her and and, uh, bless her in these moments. Okay. You know, sovereignly, uh, I think we need to pray again. Um, She did not want EMS to come because she's probably a very strong woman. But at the same time, why would God sovereignly allow this to happen at this moment? It could be that God's wanting to nail down something very powerful for all of us right now. You and I, this psalm. And so... Let's just humble our hearts one more time before Him and let Him know that we're attentive to Him in His Word and what He wants to say to us. Can we do that? Father, we come in the name of Jesus and we just lift up Linda again. Father, I realize that she did not uh, wish this upon herself. And yet sovereignly, You have allowed it to happen in our company in this place at this moment right now. And we just pray, Father, that You would surround her with Your loving arms. And that in her spirit, she would recognize your presence with her. Lord, as she's in the hands of these men who are caring for her, help her to be at peace in her spirit. And help her very much, Father, to just uh, know your gracious touch on her life. I pray you would deliver her from the dizziness that she's feeling right now. 
that you would just clear her head, clear her thought, and allow her to be able to have clear consciousness right now. And I just thank you, Father, for seeing your loving, sovereign will done in her life at this very moment. Lord, as we turn to your word now, help us to understand what you want us to see. Lord, obviously you have punctuated this morning uniquely for all of us in this room. And so help us to understand this song and what you're saying to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So who is this God we trust in moments like this? Who do we turn to? First of all, it says the Most High. We're in the shelter of the Most High God. El Yon. No one compares to the God that we put our trust in. There is no one higher than Almighty God. So if we're turning to someone for help in a time of need, who, who is it we turn to? We turn to the Most High God. And in our hearts, we have to acknowledge that He alone is God. And He sovereignly looks over us and cares for us when we can't care for ourselves. And so He's the one in whom we put our trust. The next name mentioned is Almighty Shaddai, Most Powerful One. And so, not only is He Most High, He's Most Powerful. There is no force greater than He is. There's no power, circumstance greater than God is. And so we turn our hearts and our minds to look to the one who's most powerful. And is he powerful enough to take care of Linda in her circumstance right now? Yes. Oh, definitely. And so we can trust this most powerful God, even on her behalf, on our behalf. And then it mentions Lord, all caps, Jehovah, Yahweh, not even pronounced in Hebrew. Such a, a, a holy name. And that's the name that we often use when we're talking about all the other attributes of God. Jehovah, give me one of those. Rafe. Yes, all these. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is the God who is there. He is the God who cares for us. So no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, God is over that circumstance. Just look at His name. And in His name, we find great comfort and we find peace because that is the God who loves us, who's called us unto Himself, who gives us the wonderful gift of eternal life, who brings us into a relationship that's real and dynamic. And then the last name for God is God, which is Elohim, the God of creation, the judge. And so He sets the standard for us. He's the standard for the whole world. And that is the God in whom we place our trust. So how do we find peace in today's world? We look to Almighty God. We look to all-powerful God who's there with us, who cares for us, who loves us. And then in this first verse, it's interesting how a couple of words were used. The word dwells and the word abide. I love the Hebrew parallelism. You see that throughout so many of the Psalms where one thought is expressed with these words and the same thought is expressed with these words. And as Hebrews, I think that may be the way of the Jewish nation. It's certainly the way that the Spirit of God wanted us to learn in that He often would repeat things to us, even in the Psalms or in Scripture saying it multiple ways so we don't miss the weight of the truth. 
Now, when it comes to dwelling and abiding, it talks about a close, intimate, personal relationship. Here's what Spurgeon said about this. He said, the blessings here promised are not for all believers. The blessings here promised are not for all believers, but for those who live in close fellowship with God. Every child of God looks towards the inner sanctuary and the mercy seat, yet all do not dwell in the most holy place. They run to it at times, enjoy occasional approaches, but they do not habitually reside in the mysterious presence. Those who through rich grace obtain unusual and continuous communion with God so as to abide in Christ, in Christ in them, become possessors of rare and special benefits which are missed by those who follow afar off and grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I don't think that could have been expressed more clearly in that we, we love to talk about Almighty God and His provision for us and His care for us, but it's those who dwell in the shelter of the Almighty. How many people choose not to dwell there? Even though God has called them out of sin, out of darkness, into a relationship with Him, their relationship is not healthy. It's not strong. There's not a sense of abiding in God, dwelling in God. And when you abide, it's like you open the doors of your tent to God's presence all the time. You actually set up your tent where He is. You live where He is. Your heart is committed to His will being done in your life instead of His will being done just for us, which turns into, God, I want my will to be above your will. So for those, Spurgeon said, who have made a commitment to dwell in the presence of God, who are totally surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, who have died to self and are letting the Spirit of God rule and reign in their lives, it's those individuals who can then say with confidence, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God. And we can't, we can't overlook that. We all feel like, oh, God's so good. I can just rush into His presence anytime I want. But God is very interested in the relationship before He's interested in answering our prayers. Amen. He wants very much for us to be in a right relationship with Him. And sometimes He allows us even to see things, experience things as individuals, as families, as a nation. Because He's trying to get us to that place where it's my God. He is my refuge. He is my shelter. And oh, the love of God that would even allow us to claim Him. And so for somebody who's not walking in close relationship with Him, to all of a sudden start claiming things, God says, oh, first, let's make sure the relationship is where it needs to be. And the psalmist certainly understood this. He understood the importance of being in a right, close relationship with God and being able to know God personally. That is a grace gift to us, is it not? I mean, does anybody in this room deserve the blessings of Almighty God? 
I think if you're like me, I know I'm a sinful being. And I know it's all by grace that God allows me into this relationship with Him. He allows me into His very throne room. Can you see that? Even through prayer, we're allowed to enter into the very throne room of Almighty God. Holy. Beautiful. Glorious. And so, let's check our hearts, shall we? Even as we look on in this psalm, and we'll go through the rest of it quickly because these first two verses really set the pace for the whole psalm. I think they describe pretty much the whole psalm. And the psalm repeats some of these same thoughts as we go through it. So God is there to bless us, take care of us, be our security, but we've got to make sure the relationship is right. And so God's looking to us to carry some responsibility in this to make sure that flesh is out of the way in our walk with Him. And Jesus is truly on the throne. Now, to those individuals that uh, Spurgeon described here, to those that are walking close to Jesus, it's as if the veil is pulled back and the mercy seat is revealed. That's what God allows us to see in this relationship with Him. It's as if the glory of God fills this kind of individual. They walk with a sense of God's glory filling their hearts. They walk in the Spirit so as to be able to hear God's voice, hear His directional commands, and then show Him how much we love Him even through our obedience as He calls us to walk with Him. And to these individuals... Serving God is their highest goal. So when moments of need come, surprises come, it's not an, a distant thing or a hard thing to be able to speak to God, to be able to cry out to Him, to be able to say, oh God, in this moment, I am putting my trust in You because there's a history of it that's gone on before us. Some people that were like this who dwelt in the temple were Simeon and Anna. Remember them? So walking with the Lord. So filled up with the presence and glory of God that when baby Jesus came in, they were able to recognize Him. That's the kind of person that the psalmist is talking about. Being able to trust God totally. And then it goes on. He uses the phrase shelter and shadow. It's like being in the tabernacle in the in the very holy of holies. And you can maybe see the, the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. And we're in the shadow of the wings that are in, in there where the, the mercy seat is, where God's mercy is. That's what we get to experience because God is a loving God who welcomes us to share in those holy moments. He says, My refuge, my fortress, a refuge certainly is a place of shelter. It's a place where needs are met and we know the protection of God in a fortress. And that happens. I mean, we see Him as our, our protector when we face danger, when dangers are around us. And there are all kinds in this culture. That's why I ask you, what are we afraid of today? We're facing dangers now that we did not face 20 years ago. We're facing challenges we didn't face 30 years ago. They're present. And yet God welcomes us into His very holy place 
behind high walls. He is our fortress. He is our comforter, our shield. And when you're in the presence of God, need we fear anything? When we're walking that close to God and we know his presence, need any fear come knocking on our mind? All we do in those moments is what? When he holds us in his lap and fearful moments come, we just look up to his face and know we're secure. How can Linda know she's secure right now? Because when you walk with Jesus, all you have to do is turn and gaze upon Him. So no matter what you may be facing, whether it's health or some relational challenge, financial challenge, directional challenge, what God's calling us to do in this psalm is just turn our face to Him and look to Him. Isn't that a great God? <laughs> Makes me want to dance. <laughs> And I can't dance, but <laughs> well, but if I could, I would dance a jig. Remember, you're a Baptist preacher. Well, hey, it happens. It happens. Is that not where we are, though, when we see Jesus and see God in all His splendor and His majesty? God is the one in whom we place our trust. Savior, Deliverer, Protector. So in what or in whom do you place your trust when you face a fearful challenge? We're trusting God to apply this to our lives today. So if we're going to do that, we've got to pause and just think, okay, what has brought the most angst within me? And did I truly trust God when I was going through that. If you didn't, God's calling you to do a couple of things. Draw close to Him and see Him in His glory. And know that He is the one who has welcomed you into that holy place where you see His glory and you see His majesty. Let's press on, shall we, in the psalm, and we'll do that quickly. Because like I said, these uh, first couple of verses, they really describe the whole heart and thrust of this psalm. And so in verses 3 through 8 it says, and basically, why is God the one in whom we should place our trust? That's described here. Why do we trust in God? Verses 3 through 8. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions. His, his huge wings, his, uh, the fingertips of His wings, and under His wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Now, a bulwark, we're not used to that term. We know what a shield is. We hold up a big shield in front of us. A bulwark is a small shield you attach to your arm. If you're in hand-to-hand -hand battle, then you have a shield here on your arm to help protect you. Uh, from that struggle. Verse 5, You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side 
and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. And so in these few verses, why do we put our trust in God? Because He is the one who covers us. Just like a mother hen would cover the little chicks. Can you see the, the, the wings of God reaching out over you? And so if we're walking close to the mother chick and the mother hen as little chicks and we rush there for security and safety, need we fear? Not at all. You can just envision a hawk in the air. And here's this mother hen just holding her arms out. Now, yesterday it was so unusual. Uh, our daughter took a crazy picture of Valerie my wife and I, and that we were both at the front window with binoculars looking out. We weren't just looking at the neighbors. <laughs> but there was an unusual sight <laughs> on the roof right across from our house. It was so unusual. I thought, Valerie, come look at this. It's a strange bird. It was a huge hawk. And it had caught something small in its talons. And it was sitting not on the top of the roof, but in the very center of the roof across our house. Just paused there, you know, with this little animal that it had caught in its grip. And it was just majestically pausing. I'm not sure why. I guess so we could just see it, you know, and, and look at it. But I thought even in moments like that, where the hawks of this world are flying over us, ready to swoop down in an instant and snatch us away. There's a God who's there to protect us. And you know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I can't read this passage without thinking about the devil, who is our true enemy. I see him as the trapper who would ensnare us in his schemes to get us to fall away from the Lord. When I was a little boy here in Waco, Texas, I thought, I'm going to catch a bird. And so I got a box, and I got a stick and a string and some bird seed. And out on my front sidewalk, where I was sort of hiding in the bushes, I just scattered some seed out and had this box. So if a bird came, all I had to do was pull that stick out and the box would fall down on top of it. Y'all ever done anything like that? I was the trapper that day. And I just thought for sure I'm going to be able to lure some bird in and catch this bird. And I waited and waited. You know, kids don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> and so I thought for a long time I waited there. It's probably just maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> I caught no bird. Birds were safe for me. But the devil's very scheming. And he knows exactly where our weaknesses are. And he knows what can solicit fear within us. He knows what can he knows what our trigger points are. He's seen us enough and knows us enough how to set something in front of us that could cause us to fall. And aren't you glad that we have a God who delivers us from the snare of the trapper? One who steps in to protect us when the schemes are great. His faithfulness to us as we are abiding in Him, is a great comfort, is it not? It's like that shield 
It's like that piece on their arm. So no matter how scheming the sword of the devil may be as he, he tries to swing at us or swat at us, there's that faithful God who's there to cover us and protect us. It says in verses 9 and 10, For you've made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. Now people struggle with these verses. If you've had COVID, or if you've faced something like Linda's facing something challenging, why was I not just totally protected? Many times, the ways of God are a mystery to us. And we can't deny that fact. We also need to realize that we are part of a big picture that's moving toward the kingdom of God being established on this earth. Why would COVID come in the first place? Why would God allow something like a pandemic to spread around the world? Why would He do that? We've got to realize that we're a part of a group of Christians alive right now. And when we depart from God, many times we face issues that we would not necessarily face had everybody in our group been close to God. Does that make sense? God looks at churches. He looks at groups of people. And when the ways and deeds of groups of people depart from His ways and His deeds, then we suffer the consequences. How many prophets pronounced judgment and then had to experience that judgment themselves? Whether it was famine or blight or drought, they had to go through it as well, even though they were the voice of God to the people calling them to repent. And so we've got to understand that the ways of God are, are mysterious. And sometimes He's doing a work outside of our small world. As Americans, we just think of our small world. But God's looking at churches. He's looking at Highland Baptist Church as a church. His church that He's established. And so things happen that move us as a church closer to Him to experience Him. Happens individually. Happens sometimes as a group of people. And we've got to understand that as well. And so even though it's a mystery to us, we've got to trust God. There are a lot of plagues. We could spend days, Reuben, just talking about plagues in Scripture. What they looked like, why they came. But wasn't it neat? I say it's neat. You know, when the Hebrews were being delivered from bondage in Egypt, remember the plagues that came? The angel of death that came? Were the Hebrews safe? They were safe because they were submissive to the one true God. And that's what the psalmist is referring to, I believe. A thousand may fall at your side, but because of the blood that's been shed for us through Jesus, then we can find safety and security in Him and protection. Many times we don't even know about. You know, especially when you have uh, plagues that stalk in the darkness. Uh, I mean, it's like they get through the walls. They come into the city. But still, God is there to protect us and watch over us. And then uh, verses 11 through 13 quickly. For He will give His angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You'll tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You'll trample down. Again, that's the, the picture of Jesus being over the authority of the evil one in our lives. And remember how this passage was misused. Uh, 
Even when Jesus was tempted, Satan used it to tempt Jesus. In closing, with the minute we have left, verses 14 to 16, the whole psalm shifts, and now you have word from God. God speaking in this psalm. Because He has loved me, and that's a key word, the one who abides loves Jesus, loves God. Because He has loved me, therefore I will deliver Him. I'll set Him securely on high because He has known my name, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. We, we know Him as the one who's there, our peace, Jehovah Shalom, in the midst of storm. I will set Him securely on high because He's known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer Him. I'll be with Him in trouble. I'll rescue Him and honor Him with a long life. I will satisfy Him and let Him see my salvation. He will see it. My salvation. In other words, there's that hope of being able to spend an eternity with God as we put our faith and trust in Him and just love Jesus. So what's the bottom line of this whole psalm? Abide with Christ. Love Him. Know His name. And He'll, He'll bless you. He'll protect you. He'll watch over you. And He'll take us home to glory. When we fall here, we have a home that's eternal that will never fall. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, thank you so much that you have allowed us the privilege of being known by you. Lord, you're an awesome God. And the fact that you know us and you love us, Lord, it moves us to want to just love you right back. And I pray, Father, that even today you would take this psalm, which really is a favorite psalm to so many, especially during hard times, and would you just take it even deeper into our hearts, especially the responsibility you give us to love you, to trust you, to abide in you, to know your name. Lord, help us to be those types of children. Not those who just know you in name, saying, oh, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Lord, help us to be genuine, abiding followers that we might then trust you with all that goes on around us. Thank you for that confidence. Thank you for that peace. And I pray you give it to every person here that you would just bless every person in this class, this department. Lord, they would feel and sense your presence in a holy, dynamic, powerful way today. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.